Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Are you feeling a bit animated? Well, come on over to the Wicked Anime Podcast on the Nerdy Show Network, a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to animation, Japanese culture, and all things anime. With a true industry perspective, we're always diving deeper than school uniforms and tentacle monsters. Join us on the Wicked Anime Podcast, nerdyshow.com slash wicked anime. It's Wicked A! The following program, Flame On, is presented by the Nerdy Show Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to Flame On. My name is Pat. I'm the Talking Bearskin Rug, and I am joined today by BJ. Hey, what's up? And Eric. Hey, how's it going? And we are here to do a little post-Halloween movie review. The spoopy episode. (laughs) This has been a long time in the planning stages, and we're finally getting around to doing it. Um, (laughs) Because somebody just watched it. Listen, if more people on this show had watched the movie, I would have had to go and see it myself, because otherwise, at one point, it was just going to be BJ talking to himself. I mean, I do that all the time. No, you don't. Shut up. So, for those of you who have not guessed what our first topic is, we're doing two movie reviews for you here on this uh, post-Halloween holiday spectacular. Uh, We're going to start with It, the 2017 film based on the 1986 novel by Stephen King. Um, the full title, which was revealed after it opened, is It Chapter One. Uh, it's a retelling of this classic Stephen King novel that was also adapted into a miniseries in 1990. Sounds correct. Yes. With, um, with Dr. Frankenfurter in a... Oh, Tim Curry. In, in a uh-huh. 
clown costume. Was, he dressed up for Halloween and then stumbled into a, into a new movie. <laughs> I mean, it was like a it was like a it was that like bozo. It was like a bozo the clown sort of outfit. Yeah, it was it was it was super kind of silly, but it worked for the time. Um, so we've been holding off on this because we wanted to do a little bit more of a deep dive than we'd be able to give it uh, the attention in a regular flame on episode. And I, I like I said, I'd originally not planned on seeing this movie, but when we kind of were planning out this weekend's worth of movie viewing, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go see it and join in this conversation. But before I speak on any of it, because I'm pretty sure I have the least amount of knowledge of anything it, we will start with BJ. What is your... What is your background with uh, the book, the miniseries, and all of this going into this 2017 adaptation? So, it was the first book I actually ever read cover to cover. Oh, okay. Uh, I somehow stumbled upon it in fourth grade in the library, and I don't think it was supposed to be in the section I was in. But I just, I was like, oh, hey, this looks creepy. And I, and th- and right after I read it, that's when I got into like Goosebumps and Fear Street and all those horror novels. Um, so I went into, I went into, I went, I went into the movie having seen, seen the miniseries back in 1990 and I went into it having read the book and then I think there was like a, I watching, I watched a couple of Stephen King interviews about it cause he was like, when I wrote this book, I was on a lot of drugs and got away with a lot of things I shouldn't have. Um, but going into the movie, um, I was actually pretty excited because the miniseries was it's iconic like it's 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 a tim curry role it's a big tim curry role nobody remembers anybody else in that movie but everybody remembers tim curry um and going into this one i was i was pretty excited and i know most a lot of people were just like but it's not tim curry and i'm like yes but it looks really fucking good yeah and i think you have to account for the many 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 years that have passed that you're able to kind of up the visual aspect of oh, it. Yeah. So I, iconic role or not, I think done right, it's going to give you that that overall feeling just because visually so much technology has come come forward and advanced that I, I think it, it, it works. Um, so in comparison to, and obviously with this being chapter one, there is a chapter two in the works for about two years from now. Um, in September of 2019 is the tentative scheduled release date for it. Chapter two. What was your feeling on how did how do they compare? How do the miniseries compare to the current movie? So so the miniseries took place in the 1950s, around the time where the book took place. Mm-hmm. So so the so the so the miniseries took place in, ni- in 1950. Um, the kids are adults in like the late 80s or mid 80s in the miniseries. So with the movie, they moved that up. So the movie takes place in the early 80s, and then late 80s. Late is it late 80s? 88 is the is when Georgie is when Georgie disappears. Yes. So that's yeah. So 88 into into uh, into 89 yeah, somewhere October, in there. October of 88 into September of 89, I believe. Yeah. Which you can tell by the uh, movie marquee mm-hmm. that yeah. changes from uh, Batman to, like, what, to, to um, like Nightmare on Elm Street or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. 
It's one of those things that I paid uh, that like caught my eye and on the video game Street Fighter. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So there are a lot of uh, timepiece references, but uh, but yeah, but it makes sense because if you want to contemporize this story, moving it forward to where it would sit in place um, for when the next chapter comes out. It's going to be a couple of years off, but it'll yeah. be close enough where it's like, oh, this is present day. Like it, it'll have that same kind of feeling. Um, but aside from aside from the the time jump, um, what what did you what were your takeaways? What did the movie do better? Um, I think the movie the movie for me did better with um, character development significantly, okay. um, and it did a better because like like with the miniseries you have the Losers Club, but it's the 1950s idea of a loser, which is pretty much everybody was pretty much weird in the 1950s, just like. Um, like in the eighties, I wouldn't be able to pick out a gay person in the eighties from a per uh, from just a regular person in the eighties because it's just everybody's very, very contradictive on everything. Yeah. Um, so it's it's I I like the fact they they moved it up. I really like the fact that they they changed it to the eighties because if you have somebody go if you have somebody under the age of like thirty going into it and it takes place in the fifties. A lot of them are just gonna be like, like I don't understand. Why don't they just pick up a phone? Or like, why don't they just do this? Because, well, like, you want, if you go too far back, it's hard to really connect with the characters. And everybody my age will really connect with these characters because we lived through the eighties. We were, we remember all a lot of a lot of this stuff. And I I lived in I lived in like Auburn, Alabama when I was a kid. So I didn't live in a, a major area. I remember going through like chicken farms during the summer and stuff like that um so it's i i really like that about the movie um the other thing i really like about the movie is uh the dialogue i don't know if that's just because writing it has a better flow to it these days um but like the dialogue in the 50s movie for certain characters were really i don't know not forced but very drab like the reason why Pennywise is such like kind of a beloved character in the original one is because he had all the best lines. He really had all the best lines in the original min- in the miniseries. And like all the other characters, I couldn't I I could tell you like I could pick out the characters, but I really couldn't they really don't have anything memorable. The 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 child actors they had back then didn't really bring anything memorable. I could pretty much pick out every single one of the characters in the movie and be able to I'd be able to give you like at least enough of a backstory that you could be like oh yeah that was a thing in the 80s oh yeah that was um like like my favorite my favorite running gag when the movie was Ben and his love for new kids on the block which yeah. they didn't hit on all that often no but when they called back to it it definitely um it definitely was it was a cute little a cute little nod to his outsiderness. And it washes down the tension just enough, yeah. so you, you you actually kind of like at one. I know at one point I kind of forgot it was a horror movie. Yeah, it's yeah. it doesn't it, it doesn't play that up as much as it could. Yeah, for sure. Now, Eric, mm-hmm. what is your background with it? The novel slash miniseries slash obviously you've seen the twenty seventeen adaptation, but where do you fall in the spectrum of itness? Well, I mean, I read it back in junior high because 
in elementary school, I was always ordering like the R.L. Stein books from the book orders. And I just gradually got oh, into Scholastic Book Fair. Exactly. Oh. You get the you got the, the that one like folded flyer that mm-hmm. had the oh. And I never understood why they marketed like Fear Street and all those R. L. Stein books to grade schoolers. That just okay. <laughs> that doesn't seem to fit. You're always solving a murder. Whatever. Uh, but then I just graduated to like the Stephen King books and read it and it was pretty scary. And it wasn't until later in high school that I rented the miniseries. I remember getting uh, two VHSs. Ooh, I know. Oh, that was a long God. miniseries. <laughs> oh, it was. Having to switch the VHS. But you know them. You know those old VHSs when they would do the miniseries were like that the shortest VHSs they could find. Because yeah. remember, remember there was always like. There was like the two-hour VHS, the four-hour VHS, the six... Are you too young for uh, that, BJ? No, no, no. I, I remember this. Because <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I'm really dating myself here. No, no, here. no. No, I, I remember this because I would spend summers at my grandparents' house, and I would go to the video store and rent movies. Mm-hmm. But the blank ones, you always had to... Like, if you were going to buy blank VHS tapes to record something, you always had to pay attention to which one you bought. Mm-hmm. Because if you bought the two-hour one, and then you had to record a bunch of stuff, it was like, ah, shit, I'm out of tape. Yep. Oh god. But it always felt like the if it always felt like when they had multiple VHSs, it was always like the shortest amount of like VHS tape that they could. It was put always in like there. a forty-five minute one. Because does anybody remember the Twelfth Kingdom that miniseries? No, they not put at all. they put that on VHS, and that was like a that was like a seven or eight episode miniseries, and there was like six VHS tapes for that whole <laughs> damn thing. And we're like, here's your 47 VHS tapes for this miniseries. Now it's on like something, a, a chip, you know, smaller than my damn thumbnail. Mm-hmm. You damn young whippersnappers. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's my Oregon Trail generationist coming out. So anyway, so back to your, uh, your, your VHS uh, from Blockbuster, I hope. No, or was no, this no, like I, local I, mom I, and I grew, pop? I grew up in a small town, so we only had the mom and pop store. Oh, Guys. no video warehouse? No. Oh. It was just nope. JT's movies. Do they, they, they say be kind, rewind? I think they had those stickers. Uh-huh. Yeah, but it was always a dollar a day. That's how much you had to pay. Oh, wow. Wow, that rhymed in way too many ways. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, absolutely okay. not, sir. No. <laughs> So we'll the, give you Eric's home address to send hate <laughs> mail to. Uh, the miniseries I thought was pretty faithful to the book. From what I can remember, I only watched it once. Um, it was just kind of when it got to the end, when he became the big monster, that it was like, wow, this the technology for graphics doesn't really match what was in my head when I read it. Yeah. So spoilers. What? Oh wait, no, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you talking about when they were kids, or is this the second when, half? Have I not seen this? Oh, okay. Stop spoiling a 27 year old miniseries. Oh no. Um, but yeah, as as far as remembering any of the characters other than Pennywise, it's kind of difficult because Pennywise is just always what is out there, projected as the image from everything. It's always memed. It's always everything. Yeah. So I feel that the movie grounded the kids and made them bigger characters in their own right than the miniseries did. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I I've never read the book. I've never seen the miniseries. 
I originally had no intention of seeing this movie, as you can tell by the fact that I saw it at the beginning of November when it came out in September. I had to find like the one movie theater that was still showing it that wasn't the Altamont Picture Show. Oh. Um, I paid my seven forty six for a matinee showing to go see it, and there was me and one other person in the theater. Um, thankfully, he was already sitting like three or four rows closer to the screen, and I just sat all the way in the back. You didn't have to kick him out of your seat like we did with those girls today? Ah. Oh. <laughs> oh. We didn't know that there was reserved seating. Shut up, bitch. <laughs> right? When you buy your ticket, they make you pick a seat. <laughs> Anywho. Um, we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Uh, so I was like, I went into this kind of going, I don't really watch horror movies. Aside from Saw, one through six? Yes. I haven't seen the seventh one, and I haven't seen Jigsaw. Um, so the first six Saw movies are probably the closest thing to like a horror movie franchise that I've ever watched in my life. Like I have not seen a lot of your classic horror movies. No Friday the 13th, no Nightmare on Elm Street, oh, like, wow. none of those. Oh, That's you sh- missed that whole like 80s and 90s slasher generation. Oh, man. I was not raised on those movies, and it just it never was something that appealed to me. And people had told me, well, this one's, it's scary at times, but it's more comedic it's more, in it's, essence. It's kind of, it's, it's actually, if you took Pennywise out of the movie completely, it's just the coming you the of Lost age. Boys? You Because I mean, all I saw was the, like, it literally made me think of um, Stranger Things because yeah. you have boys on bikes. Yep. Um, and I know that that's really just 80s nostalgia porn. It is. I mean, I yeah. grew up as a boy on a bike. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it made me think of, and which I, I giggled to myself when, um, the kid from stranger things turned around and said, who invited Molly Ringwald? And I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause this is totally the breakfast club meets the lost boys meets like nightmare on Elm street. Like it was like an amalgamation and mind you, I've only seen, um, one of those things, but, uh, um, it, it really did like it just felt like such a it felt like such an 80s movie and i know that's when the book was written so it really it permeates through it and it worked um the only and i'll get to this later there was one portion of the storyline that really did affect me emotionally none of the scary parts really made me jump so, like, it, it, it was a very interesting movie-going experience for me to go from, like, oh, I don't want to go to a scary movie to seeing this and going, all right, I'll see Chapter 2 when it comes out, <laughs> whatever. Like, it's not such a big deal. Um, so I don't really have anything c- to compare it to. But overall, I thought, it was, uh, I thought it was a pretty good movie, and I can see why it, I can see why it affected and has been such a thing in the pop culture consciousness and and i i think this is i'm pretty sure this is the best this is the best this is this horror movie is has the best opening in history for any horror movie ever i'm pretty sure yeah, it, it was a really big opening yeah. weekend and even and it's uh, worldwide like same thing it was very interesting because I, I knew it would probably do well in the U.S., but I didn't think it would perform all that well worldwide, but apparently it did. Well, so for some numbers, 
It's grossed over six hundred and seventy one million worldwide. Wow. Unadjusted for inflation, it is the highest grossing R rated horror film of all time. The uh, highest grossing horror film internationally, the second highest grossing horror film overall after The Sixth Sense, and the second highest grossing R rated film of all time after Deadpool. So, wow. yeah, and it's, and it's also the highest grossing horror film of 2017, the highest grossing R rated film of 2017, and the ninth highest grossing film overall of 2017. So, it did extremely well, wow. which I don't think anybody thought it would do. Not that they thought it would it would fail, but I don't think they, I don't think anybody associated with the movie was like this is going to be this breakout smash hit of the year. Yeah, I I, I don't think anybody I, thought it was going to be this good. They actually they probably wanted Dark Tower to do better than it oh, because boy. Dark Tower they could have stretched on for a lot more movies. And yeah, I it wouldn't surprise me. And Eric, you and I talked about this uh, before. It wouldn't surprise me if they pulled chapter two into chapters two and three. I know there's not a lot of, you know, you obviously yeah, have one piece of source material. But at the same time, look at 13 Reasons Why on Netflix. That went through the book. Yeah. Now we have season two for no apparent reason other than it was a cash cow for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would not surprise me if they tried to. I don't, I don't necessarily think that they will, but it wouldn't shock me in this day and age with how much money that they can bring in if they tried to stretch out and make it a two-part movie. For fuck's sake, we got how many Hobbit films? We really could only... We really could have just done one. From a little book? We got three movies out of it? We really could have just done one. Yeah. I I hope they they don't do that. Yeah. I think think the overall product would suffer if they did it that way. But capitalism being capitalism, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I will say... So now we'll go into kind of talking a little more in depth about the movie. So if you haven't seen it, don't want to be spoiled. You don't want a twenty-seven year old, a twenty-seven year gap between the miniseries and uh, this new adaptation spoiled for you. Then stop here. Yeah, and get I don't on know out. why you picked this episode, but get on out. You know. Um, so real quick, one of the things that affected me the most i'll go i'll start on a positive note and we'll kind of we'll circle around for positive and then we'll we'll throw out any uh any any feedback or critiques we may have because i have really only one critique but (laughs) we'll start with positive because i'm trying to be uplifting (laughs) um like i said the the fears and the horror pieces of it didn't really bother me all that much there was one there was a lot going on in this movie there were a lot of subplots. Oh, yeah. Because There's just a lot of characters, and you have to connect with all of them. Mm-hmm. You don't have you don't, to, but, but yeah. they really did try to. But it also left a lot of threads out there, which mm-hmm. don't always pay off. Mm-hmm. Um, like the one kid's mother, like that whole story, like it, it didn't feel like it had any reason to be there, but it was just a way for you to be able to connect with his hypochondria-ness. Well, and there's... And actually, since you have never read the book or, or seen the miniseries, act, there's actually a big reason for that. Well, but that's the thing. But yeah. when, you're, um, when you're putting it into... When you're putting that much into one um, long-ass film, because I didn't realize it was over two hours long. It's almost two and a half hours. Yeah. Um, you, you sacrifice some of that information yeah. when you're trying to put it all together, which you could have thinned it out a little bit, maybe. But the one thread that really hit me hard was 
Bev's yeah. backstory when she comes home and her dad like grabs her arm and he's and he's talking to her and it's like oh god this implied incest is really disturbing uh, at one point that's not it is not well, I, I well, wouldn't no, even no, no. implied it well, anyway. no, at that point yeah. it's all implied because yeah. you're like I, I, I understand the subtext of this but it's still not outright maybe there's something different and then you get towards the climax of the movie and he basically throws her to the ground and starts climbing on top of her and yeah. he's just like oh dear god when she she gets that like that that strength to be like you know you're still my little girl no and then she you know like it just that was gripping for me uh-huh. and the way it was done and um the actress playing bev like really brought that together like it really it, it was impactful i definitely connected with her piece of that much more than any of the other fears and when they were facing off with it and he was like would turn around and like blah, 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 and then he would become like whatever the that, yeah. that one's fear uh-huh. was and it was her dad's head like and you knew that was what it was going to be but it was just like oh oh yeah and then for her to just be like you know i, don't, I, I forget if she like hit it with a pipe or whatever but, but she, she stabbed him through the mouth oh that's right she immediately yeah. that's right. was she, like yes. she was done with that nonsense <laughs> yes. she was like fuck off that absolutely felt like that that was such a a a strong arc throughout the entire movie that mm-hmm. didn't have a lot of time with the movie oh yeah you know it, it was in it was in dribs and drabs and even the um the blood scene the carry scene in the middle of the movie yeah right um uh, the ring meets Carrie is how I like to look at that. Oh, well, yeah. The hair comes out of the, the drain pipe and then it's yeah. just like, they're all going to laugh at you. And, you know, Eric Michaud pops out and he's, you know, <laughs> doing his since Carrie monologue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you only, he even in that scene, there wasn't like there wasn't much to their interaction that was negative. It just kind of was there. And it's like, oh, you don't see all the blood. OK. And then move on. And then you get that that last piece. But. That was probably overall like one of the strongest um, fear-based like relationship and cycles out of the movie. Mm-hmm. Eric, what was your what's your big highlight or takeaway from uh, from the the new adaptation? Um, I don't know. I just really enjoyed just about everything they did. It was. I know that's very specific and makes great <laughs> radio, but um, I thought all the fears were well developed, even the one they changed um, from the mummy to the picture of the lady with the flute. Ooh. I thought she was freaky in all the right ways. Stephen King um, in an interview said that, that that was his favorite change. Yeah. Yeah, that was his absolute favorite change for the, from the new movie. Um, this one time at painting band camp. <laughs> ah! Stuck a flute. Well, <laughs> oh, oh, no. She stuck her head in a grinder. I don't know. Um, I think probably I, I feel the scariest fear was the one they probably spent the least on, which was, um, and I can't remember his name, but the um, the little black boy. Oh, Mike. Yeah, that's Mike. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and the whole you really don't know what the fear is of the, his parents burning to death for a long time. Yeah. Yes, it, because it, 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 w- it wasn't clear until like a 
plethora of burnt hands yeah. come flying out of it at him. And I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. okay, that makes sense. Because he only mentions it once, and that's it. Yeah, it's um, really quick. And- even the... Even the um, the Stranger Things kid with the clown fear. Oh, mm-hmm. like, uh, Finn yeah. Wolfhard. Yeah, yeah, sure, that guy. <laughs> it's the kid from Stranger Things, which I, which probably helped make me think of right. Stranger Things a lot more <laughs> when, when he's riding around on a bike. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wasn't he the one that was kidnapped? Or no, was he not the no, one that was no, kidnapped? He wasn't no, 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 Okay, good. No, no, so that means that he there. was on a bike through most of the show. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. I, um, it shows it, you how much I related to Stranger Things. And it was funny. The, the people from Stranger Things said when he came back to set shoot the second season after shooting it he had the foulest mouth and they actually had to write it into the script yeah that they started swearing because he wouldn't stop swearing because he did it so much during it oh yeah he was my least favorite character out of the entire ensemble his character he as, yeah, as an I mean, actor he did a good job with it because that was the that was the role he was supposed to play well, he's but. the one that's the most assholeish out of the group yeah he's well, definitely yeah, yeah. he's yeah. not meant to be that one that like that one that you're sitting there you're rooting for them all but he's probably you're like eh, if he were to get killed i'm kind of okay with it because he's a dick <laughs> um bj what's your what what's a i know we've you've you've sang praises like Eric said before the movie but what was your your biggest like takeaway or, or happiness from it I, actually it was it was Finn Wolfhart's character Richie <laughs> <laughs> well it was so it was it's because I hated Richie in the miniseries I like he was like he was supposed to be because in the book he's he's kind of the funny asshole like huh. everybody thinks he's an asshole but they're like he's a genuinely decent human being he just he has a mouth on him and in in the book and in the miniseries, I never got that. I was just annoyed by him. Mm-hmm. He, I was just like, okay, we get it. Like, you think you're funny, but you're really not. And I really liked Richie in the movie because he's he doesn't have that real face-to-face with Pennywise until much later. And he the whole time, he's just like, I love the fact that some of his jokes are funny, but some of them, like, everybody, all the other kids are like... Like when he puts his hand up to get a high five, and um, Stan puts his hand down, and it's like, no, no, stop! <laughs> like everybody's like, stop it, and and I think um, what resonated with me a lot is the fact that at the end, that big final throwdown, because I think that was my absolute favorite moment um, when the kids are essentially physically and emotionally tr- conquering their fears. Because they're laying waste to this goddamn clown. They are fucking him up left and right. And I love it because that little that little diatribe he has where he's just standing there and he's just like, I fucking told you, Bill, I didn't wanna I didn't wanna go I didn't wanna go down here. You have me walk through shitty water, go to a fucking crack house, and now I gotta kill this fucking clown. And I was like, <laughs> it was it was and it was like, Welcome to the Losers Club, asshole. And it was just like it was the bell. That was the bell for that throwdown, and it was I so I I like Richie a lot, but I think um, the the very top thing for me was that big final throwdown at the end because it it was I felt empowered by it, mm-hmm. like Beverly I literally like stabbing the 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 visage of her father through the face. Um, it turned into the leper and threw up all over um, the the other kid, and he's like, "I'll fucking kill you!" Like, yeah, all of them being like, "We've had enough." And them essentially starving him out 
was like was I thought that was phenomenal. That was probably my mo- that was probably my one one of my favorite moments. So now, comments, critiques, epiphanies, revelations from the movie. I'll, again, I'll start it off because I enjoy being negative. Um, it's taken me so to, so long to to get to this. The only thing that bothered me really about the movie, um, one minor thing, and it was is just kind of overall not having been exposed to it until now, is Georgie being such an iconic image, mm-hmm. um, especially considering how many people were in fucking yellow raincoats on Halloween. Um, it's incredible how little, like, I understand he has a bigger impact for the movie because that's what shapes Bill's entire, like, trying to find his brother. Mm-hmm. But for just being that little bit of it, like, like just that opening scene, I was like, oh. And I know he pops up sporadically through this movie, but it, I felt like with seeing so many people dressed up as him, I thought it was going to be more of a part of this thing. Oh, I see what you mean. And maybe it's more in the miniseries. Maybe it's more in the book. I don't know, but it's it, really not. It's just yeah. that very iconic first scene. Yeah. It's kind of like it's, Barb where everybody grabs like well, yeah, I mean, that's a little bit. It's, it's how the book is starts. It's how the miniseries starts. It's how the movie starts. It's just that first introduction to Pennywise. And, and also it's, this is a thing that I used to get annoyed with. I, this is, it's something I get annoyed with with movies where, that are based on older movies or books when they like place a kid there mm-hmm. because I have a friend who, if like I was at the day the earth stood still, um, they just like Jaden Smith was just kind of tossed into the movie and a friend of mine's like, I had to go see it. And I was like, why? I had to know if the kid was okay. And, that's that's also one of the things it's it's like it's a parent's worst nightmare it is like literally the worst nightmare your kid just goes around the block and then never comes home again but like the this movie's like oh no he gone like you get to see it right up front mm-hmm. and it's and it's i guess i guess it's more the fact that it's the match that light that that lights the fire and it I feel like they can't really reboot this in another 27 years. Oh, no. Because if you bring it up to like current time now to start the movie, that kid would never go out by himself. Oh, no. no I was like, wow, ne- this is totally the 80s. He would never be playing 80s. with a paper boat. And yeah. Well, that too. <laughs> but I was like, this little kid just like runs out to go play in the rain. And I'm like, oh, this was totally the 80s at that yeah, point. Maybe like, if it was Pokemon Go. Maybe still. Yeah, still. Mom's gonna be like, exactly. There's, there's a helicopter. We got your legendaries nearby. down here. We paid. <laughs> <laughs> we paid too much goddamn money for that phone for you to go traipse about in the rain with it. Like, Pretty much. yeah. Pretty much. Um, so my my big negative, which took me out of the movie, which that's got a lot of suspension of disbelief for this entire thing, but. Um, Pennywise's attack motions. The CGI for that was ridiculous. Like when he would do like those, like it was like that crazy disjointed, like like at the at the 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 camera. Mm-hmm. I did not like it. Oh, like when he runs after Bill in the water, and he's, he's like, what, whenever there's like a, a quick quick motion, a it's, quick motion, yeah, it, and it's it's. In the individual encounters, not in the not in the fight, like yeah. or not even like any of the other times that Pennywise does anything when he's standing there with the fucking like upside down triangle of balloons, 
any of that stuff is fine. Yeah, where it's almost just missing frames of film. Yes, yes, yes. I I know exactly what you mean. Get what they're doing. It just came across really awkward for me. Yeah, and threw me. I was like, oh, oh, oh. Like if they just had a lunge Mm -hmm. at the at the camera, like with one one fluid motion like sped up I'd be like oh okay cool like that's like your jump scare but when you start like the whole like oh that just doesn't work for me it's something they did in the remake of House on Haunted Hill where the spirits would like do this weird shudder like their heads would shake really fast and I was like okay they don't have to do that it's already unsettling enough yeah but I mean like in the ring Samara does it sometimes too but she is coming out of film also like they have that film yeah. piece so it kind of works yeah when it happened in the projector yeah that was creepy as fuck I, I could poop a diamond <laughs> I could poop a fucking diamond from that goddamn scene that was that was one thing but like in the basement in the flooded basement right. yeah it just it, it didn't he did the dorky clown run yeah and it was like, just it, it was and the way actually if they just hadn't if they honestly had kept his his head still. And just had him scream, running at, at, and just left everything else the same. Mm-hmm. I think it would have, it would have. I mean, it was already scary enough because he was literally almost on Bill at the at the stairs. But like, no, I see what you mean. That that yeah. weird head shake thing. I don't know why that's. Yeah, it just it. That was probably my biggest like critique or like takeaway where I was like, this just doesn't work. And it's just in those couple of scenes when it's at one on one, and they want that like. They need to, there's a distance and they want to cut that distance in like a second and a half. And it mm-hmm. becomes this like sped up, like we'll take out every, every, every three scenes we'll have like, or every three frames will be where we, where, where we cut this. And it just, it, it, yeah, that, that was my, my only real overall, like that was my only real negative. Um, BJ, were there any critiques or, or things that you thought could have been done better? Actually, um, the one thing I think they could have done better, uh, you had mentioned it, the parents, the, the adults in the town, Mm -hmm. the big thing that in the book, and I don't know if this is revealed later in the book or sooner is that Pennywise affects adults he can feed off of adults like he, he like he eats a couple teenagers but he prefers kids because their fears are simpler and he feeds off the fear before he actually physically eats them the thing is is adults fears are more complicated but he can still affect them and he can foster an environment to make it easier for children to be afraid so like it's hard to it's hard to become rising mortgage costs yeah Gotcha. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things. So what your four hundred one k is empty. So ah! he, <laughs> so he like, so it's like he pushes the parents' own neuroses and and their own insecurities. So they push it up on the kids, like Bev's dad. Oh, so Bev's that dad. Makes, that makes the hypochondriac make it, more the, sense. The hypochondriac then. mother. The the way the pharmacist was a little bit creepy on Bev, like. Because that comes into play later on when they go back to the town as adults and one of them encounters the pharmacist again and the pharmacist is like, I've got your prescriptions. And he's like, but those aren't real. And he's like, I have your prescriptions. And it's just very much like you realize that Pennywise, uh, like um, the same thing with the bully's father. Yeah, the way yeah. the father bullied the bully, so the bully is bullying the weaker kids. It, it Shit rolls downhill. Yeah, which and to speak to 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 go back to that for a second, that made me understand the TV show. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't understand why that same thing was playing during Bev's scene where she sneaks past her dad because that same show is on because you hear you know talking about oh you know in the sewers Go we to, offload town oh, here come down to the sewers bring your friends which leads into the 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 ring carry um the carry ring uh scene because you hear that on the on the tv mm-hmm. and then she goes into the bathroom and she's reading the card and then the whole thing happens but i didn't quite understand it there i totally got it from uh, from the bullies scene mm-hmm. unless it's because of the fact like he was trying to get Bev to be that person and it didn't work so then it became like okay well then let's try this guy because is it the rage versus fear it's well it's it hey it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So if you notice that Pennywise would start on the kids when they were when they were in like something someplace that either should be secure, should be safe, like um like with um Stan reading the Torah and he wasn't studying right. Like, he should feel safe at a synagogue with his dad, right? His dad's, like, in the next room. He should feel safe there, but he doesn't. And then the moment there was that one little thing, which was the picture of the twisted woman, boom, there you go. Um, when Ben was in the library, he, feel, he, he preferred to be inside in the library, away from outside with the bullies and stuff. Boom, Pennywise there. And if you pay really close attention, I caught this on, like, my third watch. If you're going to watch the movie, pay very, very, very close attention to the librarian when he's following the umbrella, uh, not the umbrella, the balloon. She's watching him and smiling. She's uh... leering in the background at him. And whether she's actually Pennywise in disguise or she's just affected by him because she's the one that brought him all those books, too. True. So... And how many times is that damn picture in that book when he keeps flipping the pages and it just keeps on zooming in like inch by inch at that damn tree? How many times? How but, many times is that picture in there? that's the same thing as the projector. It's no, just no, I, like, I know, yeah, I know. Yeah, but yeah. it was just but, kind of funny that, that it was like, turn the page, same page. God damn. And that was a callback to the miniseries because when he flips to that to that chapter in the miniseries, they look at the picture and Pennywise is dancing around in the picture and then actually pops uh, up in the picture and is like, hey, what's up? Uh, so, so, but yeah, I wish they had pushed more on the fact that Pennywise affects the adults the same way as, uh, the, in a different way than the kids and it wants to foster, and it's the whole town. Like, I think even Mike's grandfather, who was like, you're an outsider, you need to make a decision 
you know, and Mike was able to push through the fear of that and save his ass from um, the bully. Mm-hmm. Um, was that Henry? Yeah, yeah, Henry the the and I I I also liked when they fucking had a rock war with the with the bullies. I thought that was great because I've done that before. <laughs> I I get that like the the book was written in the eighties, but it it really with today's social climate, it was it was impactful. That was the other part that was really impactful was um, like the racism. The blatant oh, racism yeah. in small town America, and 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 you know it's there, but it's just like it was done in such a way, like, oh, it 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 really it it really hurt, and I wish they had done more with Mike's character, but you know the the fact that it it had the attention it did, and he was probably one of the least developed out of all of them, but and that'll and that'll change in chapter two. A lot because he's the one that brings them all back together. Gotcha. Okay, um, Eric, did you have any any critiques or, or negative takeaways from the movie? Not that I can remember. I I only saw it opening weekend, so by now, just the it's more faded. The more memorable parts are the ones that are sticking with me versus any sort of nitpicking critiques oh bitch trust me listen nitpicking stays with you i still shit talk um interstellar (laughs) how long ago did that come out you didn't have any good takeaways from interstellar (laughs) you only had your nitpicks were there any shirtless men in it yeah no probably i don't think there were any takeaways and and i gotta mention the one big difference between the book and everything else the book had some because all the kids are teenagers and coming of age. The book had a lot of sexual themes. Oh yeah, we didn't talk what, about the orgy. What, the orgy? There, well, there, well, there, well, there's the orgy that the kids have in the sewer after they beat it, and then there's apparently uh, one of the bullies. Uh, I think it's the one that um, got attacked in the sewer in the movie. He's actually gay. Patrick. Patrick. He's actually gay, and it's the only only name I remember of the damn movie. <laughs> and he and Henry like like jack off all the time t- together in the book and he makes he makes a move for henry and henry's like i will fucking kill you fuck fuck off like it couldn't be the one with the hat because he was the cuter of the bullies i think he gets eaten by a werewolf in the uh in the book oh yeah i missed the werewolf see well they did and they did a callback to the they did a callback to the werewolf when they're in the house and it was going after um the hypochondriac kid yeah. and it, it grew the it grew the claws yeah because there's a lot of classic monster movie Forms and tropes in the original one because in the movie in the movie theater in town was showing the classic horror movies, which would make sense for the fifties, the werewolf, Frankenstein. I think it turns into Frankenstein and chases somebody at one point because at at one point the kids like melt down all the silver they can find to make a silver what a slingshot pebble Uh to attack the werewolf. Gotcha, 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 and. now, let me ask this, because I, I, I don't remember all the details right off the top of my head. Um, was there an actual murder at the bridge at one point in the original book? Yes. Yeah, so, um, oh, actually, I think that was the opening, one of the opening, like, chapters. Um, Henry and his gang are at a boardwalk, and they're, they, they're hassling a gay couple, and they throw one of them over the boardwalk, and they're alive, but his boyfriend sees him get dragged under by Pennywise. Gotcha. 
Okay. I was going to say, because that's actually based off of a real event. Yeah. That I, I knew that there was... I knew there was something associated with it, and I couldn't quite tell. And that's why when it got to the bridge and um, they started carving into um, ben. it's Ben's stomach, I was like, oh, dear God. And then when it, it led to him just, you know, being saved and helped by the other kids, I was like, oh, okay, well, that obviously isn't what this was about. But I just, I remember that article came out when the whole, like, Pennywise, Babadook, like, yeah. they're in a relationship. And then people were like, tap the brakes this is what this is about and this is why like this shouldn't be and then it like which is great to get that information like see like all that other stuff because then it brings to light these real life events that were so horrible that they shaped a horror novel based off of like you know the, the greatest atro- atrocities that can be committed yep um especially against you know outsiders or people that are different but then i also look at it and go these are fictional characters and I really don't give a flying fuck what you do with them. <laughs> like, yeah. If you want to draw Pennywise and Babadook, you know, like you want to do some, some fanfic or some slash fic or whatever, <laughs> like, all right, whatever. Anywho. Um, so let's rate this. I'm instituting right here, right now, a, uh, a new uh, movie rating system. Cause we're going to be talking about more movies. Hopefully um, we'll do this out of five flames. We'll do little fire, okay. little fire symbols. I'm going to be little fires. <laughs> little fires, little flames. Uh, from one to five flames, what would you give this movie, BJ? Uh, I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five. All righty. Eric? Uh, probably a f- solid four. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to go with a four also for, for pretty much my first ever like real like horror movie that's not... Um, saw <laughs> it was it was uh, overall it was a, a pretty good film so uh so if you enjoyed it if you want to uh, dispute any of our our comments or you want to agree with us or give any type of feedback we accept all of that you can find us on twitter facebook uh, instagram tumblr all of the social media platforms you can help support our show and our network, the Nerdy Show Network, by going to patreon.com forward slash nerdy show. Subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Google Play Music, Stitcher, um, Castbox, I think was one of the ones that got mentioned uh, a while ago. I put up a little post that said, Hey, where do you listen to us? We want to know. And um, and somebody had mentioned that. But but go leave us a review, subscribe. The more that you review us, the better the chances are that people that don't know about our show will get to see our our show pop up in recommendations so we appreciate that oh so much um and you can find all of our social media links at flameonshow.com we're going to be updating the website soon i just have been busy my my own website is like a year old a year and some change old and i haven't touched it in forever (laughs) the only thing we update is the song list it happens um so we are going to do a a a quicker b topic on this episode on this movie review episode post halloween chapter one and now we're on chapter two in two years we'll be on chapter (laughs) two so this morning when we're recording this um it'll be a few days ago when you're listening if you listen right away or if you listen to this a year from now it'll be much much earlier than when you're hearing it uh so this morning bj eric and i had a little group movie date and we saw Happy Death Day. Let's go. It's your birthday. Let's go. It's your birthday. <laughs> I think 50 Cent is going to sue us now. 
I'm pretty sure he's bigger fish to fry. Does he? I would think. Is he doing anything? Not. I don't think so. Oh. He's like, oh. Oh, I remember his video game. <laughs> the fighting game with all the rappers. Shaq Fu? No. <laughs> oh. oh, no. <laughs> No. Different black person, Eric. <gasps> oh. Different oh. black person. Stop being the racist at the table. Don't make fun of Kazam. <laughs> Shazam with Sinbad? <laughs> Wait, is that the one that doesn't exist or does exist? I think Shazam yes. is the one that doesn't exist and Kazam is the one that does. Is that the one with Shaq? That's the one with yeah. Shaq okay, that everybody so yeah. thinks it's Sinbad. So Shazam with starring Sinbad is the movie that everybody remembers. <laughs> That no one's ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> That's the true horror movie here. Yes. So Happy Death Day is a film written by uh, comic book scribe Scott Lobdell um, that he has been trying to get made for, I think, the better part of a decade. That, you can believe that. That finally came to fruition. And a, I guess, cliff note elevator pitch for this movie is... Groundhog Day, but if the only way to restart the day was you got killed. So we start off with Tree. Teresa. Teresa. <laughs> Tree. Um, Tree is our, our main protagonist. She wakes up in a dorm room bed and not knowing where she is, starts her day and eventually ends up being murdered. Within the first, what, 15-ish minutes? Oh, yeah. It's, 10, like, the, it's, yeah, it's like the first 15 minutes. Yeah, solid. It, it's like, fairly fairly quick. They kick it off pretty good, too. Which then sets her back to reawakening in the dorm room with this college guy that she doesn't know and starting her day over. September 18th, 2017. Oh, was it September 18th? September 18th, 2017, Monday. In my head, I was like, oh, it's October 18th, and we share the same birthday, and I'm going to get killed next. But actually, <laughs> funny, the movie the movie came out the Friday after my birthday. So the week of my birthday, this movie came out. Oh, that's right. I was going to say, it was right around there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, because it, uh, it was Friday the 13th. Yep, Friday the 13th in, in is October, when it came out, yeah. Which is, I think, why it always associates with October in my head and mm-hmm. not September, but... Uh, so Tree is set on a sort of pseudo-supernatural quest to, um, after she kind of feels like she's going crazy the first couple times, um, with some help in at least one of the days that she awakens to, figures out that she needs to find out who is trying to kill her, um, and hopefully not reawaken the next day reliving the same day yeah whether that means she's dead or you know it's tuesday is up to uh debate in her head but at least it wouldn't be the same day over again yeah uh so eric let's start with you what did you think of the movie i thought it was a cute movie it had a decent amount of um sight gags and just kept your attention um, I don't think it was the most amazing movie. I don't think it really needed to verbally do the callback to Groundhog Day. I thought that did. was kind of cute. I don't know. Because, well, <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like it should. It needs to be because they. I mean, that movie is pretty old, buddy. That movie is. I was. That's literally what I was about yeah. to say. Yeah, that movie is pretty on old. On the opposite side of it, where. So if you haven't seen the movie, again, I'm not sure why you would still be listening because, you know, we're going to spoil the shit out of it. Um, <laughs> at the at the end of the movie, as the camera starts to to pull out 
Um, spoiler alert, she makes it through. She figures out who kills her and is able to then go on to... Um, is sitting at the the diner with this young, cute college co-ed that she ends up finding a connection with. And he goes, you know what this makes me think of? Groundhog Day. And she's like, what? And I feel like that is oh. the audience stand-in for the majority of people that went and saw this movie. Yeah, because everybody else in that theater with us were probably high school age. Were they even? Because these girls that took our seats looked like they were 12. Well, they were, they, I saw them come into the theater before us, and I'm pretty sure one of their mothers bought all their tickets. So they, like, mom didn't... Yeah, was, they didn't even pay for their tickets. Was it movie? Oh, yeah. Um, even PG-13, if PG-13, they're under 13, yeah. or don't look 13, you gotta have somebody buy your... your you're t- well, maybe. I don't know. There's a certain age cut off with certain movies. I know that. There, there's very few theaters that really, really enforce it. Oh. Really, R is the only thing most movie theaters enforce. And in a movie theater with only, what, like 35, 40 seats, that when you buy the ticket, you got to pick your damn seat. They took our seats. Right. And they were like, oh, we didn't know there was a sign seating, and we're just terrible people. And I was like, yes. Yes, you are. <laughs> I didn't say that out loud because, you know. They were children. But I, just, still. I just didn't hear them, and I would have agreed. I would have <laughs> agreed. I don't care if they're children. Listen, I've opened up my front door and told kids playing on my lawn to get off my lawn. <laughs> Sorry, rephrase that. I said, um, you guys know this isn't your house, right? <laughs> and then just stared at them blankly until they took their football and left, um, which was fantastic for me. <laughs> I'm now an 80-year-old grandpa. I love it. You're going to start talking to an empty chair? It's cold. What time is it? <laughs> yes, but only only on stage at the RNC. Um, but no, I thought the movie did a good job of, I think, the mystery of trying to figure out who the killer was was the most interesting part yeah. of the movie. Which I felt cheated until they pulled the twist. And then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah having, having um, the... The serial killer, Tombs. B, yeah, B, the killer, seemed kind of like oh, easy, too easy. It did, but it, 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 I was kind of like, oh, okay, like that was that little like clue dropped earlier on because that same news report, yeah, was mentioned briefly, uh huh, but not knowing anything about how he's connected to her, which is kind of like oh, this is whatever. And when they went back to it, I was like oh. Okay, I feel a little cheated because we have no investment in him trying right. to it, kill it, her. It, it has yeah. nothing to do the, with her character. Like, I'm not saying her growth. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it had it had to do well because I did like the fact when they showed the the news report, all of his victims were all blonde right. yeah. blonde girls that looked just like her. So that that was the loose connection. They kind of that was the that was the slight red herring they gave you. But I mean, it just. It doesn't have as much to do with her karma. Correct. True. Yeah. It, it, as it would if it was somebody she knew. I yeah. I was I was I was betting on the dad. Yeah. And hedging my bet with the roommate. That's why I should have I should have whispered that too, so I've at least felt somewhat vindicated. <laughs> See, because I, like, I think it's the dad. Yeah. And be- be- yeah. Well, no, be- and because like I'm from that generation that had the scream movies, if, I was. It felt. Very in that vein of the late '90s, early 2000s slasher. slasher. Yeah, and uh, I was expecting multiple 
murderers. I was I was thinking it was everybody. I, I was thinking it wasn't just the one person. I think it was everybody. Like she fucking like this is wrong. for the Night's Watch. <laughs> Too British. I was. I yeah. I thought it was gonna be one of those situations. The only thing that bothered me a little bit is when you finally find out who the killer is. Some of the physical acts don't equate like the pipe to the head and then you get right back up. Yeah, that's a little much. I will say this, though. There were two points in this movie that actually made me kind of jump the first time um, she gets attacked when he like drops out of nowhere right behind her Uh Mm -hmm. because there is such an audible um a cue because they all out of nowhere it's like and it's like i was like oh like i literally jumped in my seat (laughs) it was like the the one time a jump scare really worked because i was jumping and scared um and then when she gets arrested and the cop is standing outside and the car comes speeding out of nowhere and destroys him. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, oh, my God. He was a bag of broken pencils. And then they show him and you just like see the like the arms twisted in different directions. I was like, oh, that's just a lot. Um, Well, do you think that any of the time? Well, no, I guess it was her every time that killed. Yes. Tree. Except, Except for... when Tree hung herself. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And well, because then they started doing the flashbacks where they showed her and she yeah. pulled the mask up. But um, so, spoiler alert her roommate is the one who kills her um, repeatedly until she kills her roommate um, in a day after. Because you think that the you, we get to a point. Yeah, you literally She goes think, through this redemptive arc. She yeah. does the Bill Murray, I'm a better person now. I've yeah. grown. Exactly. And um and I, I was I was like, okay, because at the when the movie started, and I know you're not supposed to like her, but she was over the top unlikable. Oh yeah, like, super it was fucking bitch. Like bad. Like stereotypically bad, which is like the worst kind of bad. It wasn't like she had something terrible done to her. No, she just was like a straight up bitch. I just expected the mask to come up and it just to say, karma. And just like she had repeatedly stabbed to death. Like I was half expecting it to be her. Like <laughs> a version of her that's not horrible, that just wants to kill all the horrible in her. Like Yeah. Oh yeah, no, she's terrible. Yeah. I did love the montage. Yes. The we'll montage get, is probably. We'll the best get to thing that in a second. You gotta have a montage. But um BJ, overall, what did you think of the movie? I, I liked it. It's been a really, really long time since I've seen like I sat down to watch a slasher flick. I think the closest thing was like that weird remake of um, Nightmare on Elm Street. A couple, like a couple, like a couple years ago, I think it was like six years ago. They did a remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, and I think that was the clo- the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street and the remake of Friday the, uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Those were the two, and that was like a long time ago. And I think that's the last time I w- I watched a slasher flick that wasn't like like. A comedy slasher flick that wasn't like something meant to be tongue in cheek. Like this, this was meant to be a somewhat serious movie. They had some really, some really good funny moments to kind of water down some of the tension, but 
No, it, it, this is it's been a while, and I, there's a lot of themes at play in this one. Even the karma, the whole idea of like you you only get one life, like you know, just there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of themes in here that work, and you can pretty much view it almost every other way. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so so we'll get back to the montage now. <laughs> so at one point, Tree wakes up after being killed, and. Um, Carter? Yeah, yeah, Carter. It, she decides to open up to him about what's going on. And they have this whole conversation. And, and this is where you finally start to see a bit of her redemptive side. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're at this little coffee shop. And they have these looks between each other. And you can kind of see that she's realizing that this just random quote-unquote loser. That, you know, because she's a kappa and... Kappa's going to be seen talking to somebody like this. She starts to see that he's a real person, and you well, know, and she like assumed he date raped her. Like he assumed, like she assumed that they had sex, and he's like, "Nah, I made my roommate sleep in the car, and I slept in his bed." And she, and then like, and then I just love that realization in her head of like, "Oh my god, he's not a scumbag." Absolutely. Oh my god! Like th- there's just that moment where where it's like, yeah, no, there are good people in the world just because you don't see them. Exactly. So he wants to start writing out a list of potential suspects because he feels that, okay, well, if you figure this out, then maybe this will stop happening. Mm-hmm. And basically puts into her head that, oh, well, you have unlimited lives. Like, let's like start, let's start going through this list or make a list. And she does. And what we get is a pretty fantastic montage probably the best part of the movie oh yeah um set to quite honestly (laughs) one of my favorite demi lovato songs of all time uh confident oh god i do love that song i'm not even lying about it i've done it at karaoke not this past bear bus but last year um that thursday night it was the last song of the night it was the last thing i started stripping to it you know you get drunk it happens um but it's it's an awesome song and it worked for what the whole thing was Mm -hmm. because she's finding herself in trying to sort out who's potentially the killer yeah um we also get the the hot guy that's been like texting her nonstop. is essentially trying to become trying to make her his beard yes uh, is a closeted homosexual when she she sees him getting ready to 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 jerk off which i'm like you it was fairly obvious enough when he's on his bed with a laptop but then he had to grab the box of tissues uh, i'm like and then somebody calls him and the laptop's facing the window and she's like and i just love her relief though i know like, yeah I love, that was the one thing she was like oh okay like i i loved that moment because she's like well, never mind. That makes perfect sense. And then she turns around and gets murdered. <laughs> and then she, like, you just you see her go through this this list of different people that she thinks it could be, and each time basically figures out that it's not them and crosses them off the list. And she gets killed in like these most the, the most ridiculous and bizarre ways. My favorite was when the bus hit her and the other bitch. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, there's like yeah, that wasn't I'm even kill you. That wasn't even the murderer either. That was just her getting yeah. into a cat fight in the middle of the road. It would have been hysterical had they panned up and you saw the baby mask like driving, driving the, the bus. bus. <laughs> but still, yeah, I, I really liked. I really liked it when she had the fucking like camouflage makeup and some ni- some goddamn night vision goggles following around um, the teacher's wife, and I was like. <laughs> 
Oh, is that who that was? That was the teacher's wife. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was. Okay. I think Danielle's her name. That was, but that was. He thought it was the the teacher's wife. Gotcha. I was yeah. like, I know. I was like, oh, it's just some other random but uh, I, check. But no, I love. I love the fact that I'm like. They even had like a fucking face painting, like I mean, like army montage. It was. It was a good. It was good. I can't. I'm. I want to get this on Blu-ray and see the. Uh, See the deleted scenes because I'm ninety uh, percent sure they filmed a lot of those. Oh, I'm sure. You could tell she had fun doing it too. I loved when she did the. Uh, it was like she's this prim, like not prim and proper, but she's this like elitist kappa girl, and she like in one of her li- like one of her day restarts, she cuts her hair like does like these crazy pink highlights and whatnot, and is like, all right, I'm gonna rock this today. Like she, she I'm gonna a, get, she, to, uh, I'm gonna she, die, but she whatever. She pulls a pink ranger, cuts her hair off, it's mean <laughs> to the bitchy girls. <laughs> <laughs> takes takes and his to it. Quaffed. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up because <laughs> when we were told when Eric and I were talking about it yesterday, I was like, I'm really annoyed at the fact that the female character can just grab a pair of scissors, hack at her hair, and she comes out with like a five hundred dollar like blow <laughs> blow dry curl like style like amazing do right out of the bathroom, and everybody's like, oh, your hair looks so good. Which, if you watch Cinema Sins on YouTube, that is actually called out in uh, the the Everything Wrong with the Power Rangers movie. Oh, it's great! It's (laughs) yeah. So that montage was fantastic. Um, Overall, I think it 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 was it was kitschy. It it very much is. It's got a a bit of a cult following. It it was the number one movie for a week, so it it did. Do what it was supposed to do, and and honestly, this is a concept they could just they could do another one, and it's just another person, like a completely different murderer, completely different group of people. They could do college students, they could do older people, they could do like teenagers. This is something they could do. It could be the saw of its generation. Bloomhouse does pretty good horror movies, though. I gotta say, this was this was a good Bloomhouse flick. I don't think I'd want to see another one though. Nah, I'm not. I, like... I, the way it was done, and and again for it being Scott Lobdell, who has done some great work on comics that I have thoroughly enjoyed, to be the screenwriter behind it, to have written the the actual movie itself, I think if you had somebody else uh, as the scribe, it would not have the nuances and the the beats and the tone that this had. Yes. So I yes. think you would potentially again sacrifice quality. To for the quantity and for for a cash grab, and I don't know if it it did as well as that where it would need or where it would warrant a couple extra yeah. movies. Then again, there's a third Maze Runner movie coming out, which I still don't understand how that's possible. But because the books exist, I still think that the the they were pitched it as a another type of Hunger Games, and the 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 studio was like, you get three, you know, thirty million dollars. Divide this up amongst your three movies and make them without even like seeing returns on anything. Which is like, this is what we're giving you. Go for it. Just so you know, there's a fourth book. So there's probably going to be a fourth movie. Yep. (laughs) Wow. And it will probably do just as well as two and three. And three isn't even out yet. Anywho. Um, Eric, besides the uh, verbal callback to Groundhog Day, any negatives that you came out of this movie with? Uh, do 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 Again, just that. Well, kind of that. Her redemption arc wasn't necessarily how she solved it. I mean, but that would have been verbatim for Groundhog Day. 
So it's kind of I know good but that it, that wasn't what ended up solving it. It felt wasted though. It felt wasted. Like I understand that she remembers all of that and that for her character growth it's still there, but I felt like she was able to positively impact these other lives that even had she made that whole little speech to her roommate and then realized that her roommate was the one that was killing her, mm-hmm. I still feel like it would have been okay or have a similar, like have almost an excerpts of that, that day when she finally does do it. Like, you know what I mean? Like it felt like Carter. Yes. Carter's going to get that, that, you know, better tree in his life. Um, but Becky isn't going to have that. I stood up for you moment, you know, like you don't have to be a stick, you know, to, to be a good person or fit in or do any of that. Um, the gay guy isn't going to be told to get a, a fine piece of man ass. She may still go around and do right by people. Yeah, but, but this was like intentionally like I'm going to find these people that I know. Like she was trying to make make all of those things in that day a better thing. Signing the global warming petition, like having the pillow for the the frat guy that you know passes out on the lawn. Mm-hmm. Did your fraternity make you do that? Did you have to stand 26 hours and sing uh Bottles of beer on the wall? No, I never had to do that. No hazing? I didn't say no hazing. I just said... Do they make you do sexual acts to get into the fraternity? Only to the goat. (laughs) This went from dirty (laughs) to wrong really quickly. Really quickly. But there's always a goat. Come on. Jesus. Senor goat fucker. (laughs) Don't ask. Uh... (laughs) Honestly, so. that was my biggest my biggest negative takeaway from it. Overall, I thought it was was really cute and worked well for what it what it did. And whether or not it was a an homage to a Groundhog Day type of feel, which mm-hmm. it was, like there is no way around that. That's exactly what it was meant to be. And I think that for a younger crowd that has never seen it and never been exposed to it, the verbal callback will maybe give them a a minute to say, you know what? Let me go take a look for this. What would have been a good move would have been Netflix or Hulu or a streaming service to pick up Groundhog Day and feature it on their, like their headers around that same time, even a week or two after, because you know that somebody's sitting there searching Netflix and whether or not Netflix has it, I don't know, but I think that would would have been a, a smart little idea for them to get an uptick in, in watches for it. Right. Um, I think it it did kind of feel... I mean, I didn't know that um, Scott had been shopping the script for, and trying to get it made for almost a decade, but I can see that now looking at it because it definitely feels in the vein of those early 2000 slasher fix and what have fit right in oh for sure and it so it it almost gives you a a nostalgia feel in a Mm -hmm. sense because you're like oh this really does take me back to a scream or to uh uh i know i know what you did last last summer summer. 
type of feel yeah. where if this were if it were 2005 2010 you'd be like oh, okay cool this is in that that same area we'd have a terrible sequel by now well yeah exactly um probably direct to to vhs because they would have literally <laughs> they'd have pulled out a vhs just to put it out on that uh <laughs> But yeah, it, it, it definitely, I think it worked in that respect. I think it had enough of a nostalgia feel without being nostalgia porn. Yeah. 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 Uh, BJ, what was, do you have any negative takeaways aside from her redemption arc being taken um, away from everybody else? Actually, the, the th- this actually has to do a little bit with her redemption arc. Um, the fact that she technically killed herself for a guy... And then she condemns the real murderer for murdering her for a guy. There's, I don't know if that's, if that's purposeful. Like one is willing to murder for a guy and one's willing to sacrifice herself for a guy. I don't know if that's, if that's something that was written in it. There's a little bit of a difference there. Yeah. But I mean, but I mean like, like, oh, is, is her motivation for being a good person is, is to get a guy. I mean, granted he's a nice guy, but like. Well, it wasn't so much to get the guy; it was to make sure he lived. Yeah, to save. Well, yeah, to save She's the guy. saving so his life. I, I, okay, I see that now. So it's so hers. So she did it to save him, and the other one is doing it to kind of do nothing with him because the other guy didn't want anything to do Even with him. Even though so. we know now that because that serial killer wasn't the killer, yeah, that she still would have died on that day. Yeah, and so, but yeah. she didn't. She didn't know that at all. Yeah, and she's thinking, okay, I figured this out. Like, this is what's gonna happen. And same for the audience. Like, I, I audibly gasped when she still woke up, and I was like, no. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so when Carter jumps tombs in the hospital and he snapped his neck, I was like, oh my god. I was like, wow, that's that's just crazy. And then I was almost half expecting the movie to end when she hung herself like where because of the fact that like she did it to herself versus like the trigger being oh that's being killed i was like there was a little part of that was like oh crap is this how this is gonna go out the darkest timeline and then it did and she woke up and i was and then she did the the, 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 like giant audible neck crack and i was like uh okay at least we made humor out of this like yeah yeah i was like I was actually a little bit relieved she woke up. Yeah, uh, that that definitely was. It was it was weird, but at the same time, yeah, I felt like one of the biggest negatives definitely is kind of both of what you guys are saying, and and just the fact that I get the roommate being the killer. I did not like the cop out of the motive because she yeah. wanted to bang the hot ginger doctor, like. It just didn't seem... It yeah. seemed out of left field. Like, it just kind of... it. I would have been happier with either Tombs or the dad being involved because, you know, all we got of the dad up until her big redemptive day was these angry phone calls that... And then, like, had he been some part of, like, the mother's murder? Because, yeah. again, up until you get all the Tombs information, you have no information about the of why her mom is dead. You assume yeah. that she's dead because she's watching the video and it's all this. And then they start giving all these pieces to basically spoon feed you the tombs ending. Mm-hmm. And then when they eat the cupcake and then all of a sudden like you're like, okay, cool. The movie's over. 
and she wakes up again and you're like what the fuck like this was this, <laughs> what yeah and it, and it should have been a giveaway when he was like well how did tombs get you know get free nobody knows oh bitch you should have had all your threads tied up before but, you went to bed yeah and she did it so yeah overall i think I, I think it was it definitely served as a very cute movie um and for a horror movie that's kind of fun to say like it was cute yeah yeah uh so we'll wrap this one up with uh with our reviews bj we'll start with you out of five flames what do you give happy death day i'll give it a three all right eric what about you yeah three it's good just not great all right i'll give it i'll i'll be the the contrarian i'll give it three and a half flames Ooh. <laughs> that extra half flame just for funsies an ember <laughs> just a little just a little 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 spark on some kindling over on the other side <laughs> uh so that that'll wrap up our it and happy death day post halloween movie review uh if you've enjoyed this please make sure you tell your friends about the show uh share us on your favorite social platform um retweet us do all of that fun stuff uh check out patreon.com forward slash nerdy show in order to help support the network and we'll be back in two weeks with our November. Dear God, it's so scary to say that we're in November already. With our November full cast recording, um, hopefully you'll get to hear all of our voices when we come back. Uh, the holiday season is always crazy. And trying to get everybody in the same place at the same time is uh, not always... Um, Conducive. It's not always easy. Uh, yeah. But hopefully we'll be all back here and hopefully you will be joining us for our next episode of Flame On. And with that, we uh, we say peace out. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.